news, the president declaring a national emergency. The new stay-at-home order. We will shut you down. Don't think you can get on a plane or a train. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And we will take you to jail. We've got to get them vaccinated. Or we will keep you in a facility longer. As the world was descending into synchronized tyranny, I began to ask myself, how did they get everyone to go along with this? Obsessed with finding the answer, I began studying every moment in recorded history where masses of people acted against their own self-interest. The only mechanism that could explain what was happening in society, screw your freedom, you're a schmuck, was what is usually referred to as mass formation. Where are now with an economy in crisis, but with an incredible opportunity. Unprecedented opportunity for a reset. Your Royal Highnesses, distinguished heads of state and government, the future is built by us. We need a great reset. When they say, you'll be happy, what they mean is, you'll be enslaved. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Who masters those technologies will be the master of the world. Those who control the data control the future, not just of humanity, but the future of life itself. Every aspect of our life has been infiltrated by people that do not have our best interests at heart. There are forces using fear and isolation to induce mass psychosis. I don't want you to be hopeful. Environmental doom. Fires. I want you to panic. Storms. It will kill your children. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. People are starting to wake up. People are starting to wake up. I'm seeing people come together from all walks of life, finally saying enough is enough. We didn't come here for no reason. We have a voice and we're here to share it. We have to be the solution. We cannot rely on the media, the president, or whoever to fix these problems. I would rather pick up cans on the side of the highway than to live out of alignment with my truth. We're all being driven back to the dream. As you see in the audience, Democrats, Republicans, white, black, everyone all in between. This is the example that they do not want to see, but they have no choice. The masses of humanity have been slapped awake. Open your eyes. It's time to wake up. This is The Great Awakening. How's it going, my fellow Americans? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another bonus episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Today, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, allow me to present to you another bonus episode I like to call Reality, Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics. And this is part nine, entitled The Great Awakening. And this intro clip is kind of a little intro mashup uh, that I wanted to start the show with to kind of give you an overview of the stuff we're going to talk about today. I'm going to play you an artfully arranged assortment of clips that is intended to tell a story about the current status quo, the current zeitgeist the current spirit of the times that we are living in here in the 21st century modern world. Today we're going to talk about stupid people and how 
we people like to organize ourselves into stupid little divide and conquer groups. We're going to talk about the Great Awakening and how to wake up from this state of not knowing and not caring, the apathy that is a tyranny among our people. We're going to talk about interesting clips from people talking about 9-11, the CIA, Satanism, and the occult, the COVID-19 pandemic, and the big pharmaceutical uh, complex, biopharmaceutical complex, right? We've got a military-industrial complex, and now we've got a biopharmaceutical complex. We're going to talk about freedom and rights and the loss of freedom and rights. We're going to talk about inflation. I always have to talk about inflation a little bit on Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics. We're going to go over some World Economic Forum stuff, some Maui, direct energy weapons, uh, cloud seeding, AI technology advancing, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a great show. And uh, this is all the talking I'm going to do. For those of you that know, this is a supercut show where it is an arrangement of clips that I put together artfully to tell you a story about what's going on in the world that you and I live in together. I'm going to hit a commercial, and when we come back, like I said, allow me to present to you part nine of Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics entitled The Great Awakening. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I think we suffer from a very insidious kind of plague in the world, which is the plague of overeducated dumb people. And it's it's almost <laughs> as if, you know, because of their degree in the school, you give them inordinate power to make value judgments yeah. that really put the world in a very difficult position. And so when you have something like a war in Ukraine, it just lays everything bare. And you find, you find all these things like, you know, simple, another another version of this example. How did an entire continent, and specifically, I mean, Europe, abdicate their entire energy security to the group of to a group of environmentalists and to, you know, to a 16 year old girl without even thinking about what the right answer was for themselves from first principles? That's really crazy that that happened. And you need a war you know, where tens of thousands of people have to die to realize that that was a really bad set of decisions that have been compounding for decades. Here's another example where food security is yet another one where, you know, we weren't able to think cleanly from first principles. And so depending on who had more money or who was able to create more psychological guilt or fear was able to get an outcome that fundamentally puts the world at a hundred million person plus famine. So somehow we need to rethink how our institutions work because we are giving folks 
who haven't proved that they can handle power, the ability to influence outcomes um, for the wrong sets of reasons. I don't like orthodoxy of the left any more than I like orthodoxy of the right. The right-wing Christians are trying to control your behavior. They're trying to control the behavior of other people. The left-wing academics are trying to be, uh, control the language and behavior of people. I don't like anyone trying to control and, and, uh, and dictate to me from an orthodox standpoint. I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's what, I, what I need to be whole. When I really think this species is a foolish failed species that has organized itself poorly and I think this culture in particular leads the way I think we have put property ahead of people we have put competition ahead of cooperation and I don't think the balance can ever be brought back into line really? so so Never. so my attitude is one of I look at the species with pity and wonder a combination of wonder and pity can't believe that they do these things and I really feel sorry for them, but I don't identify with them. Abraham Maslow said the really actualized, the really successfully actualized, self-actualized person does not identify with the local group. I don't identify with this country, with these religions, with this species. I really feel like one of the carbon atoms, you know, and just watching the whole thing really? from out of the, we know where the Oort cloud is. The Oort cloud is where the comets gather outside right, the right. orbit of Pluto. And that's a safe vantage point. And I think artistically, it's the safest place because I've divorced myself from it. So I'm much freer in my comedy, I think, to say the things I need to say because I don't feel it's going to work. Do you ever wonder if you're going to heaven or hell or are you also way beyond that? I don't think there's any... You know, I can give you a better reason to believe in the sun god than in this god I've been presented with in this country. You see the sun every day, there it is, it rises, look, look, it's faithful, there it goes down. It heats me, it warms me, it raises the crops. I, I have more reasons to, to worship it than this guy got a man in the sky who's judging where I put my hands? I just can't no, believe it. No, I don't think... I, I just, uh, as far as an afterlife is concerned, there's no proof of anything like that. I'll be interested in finding out. I have an open mind on that. But I think I have a little more proof of UFOs. Accepting this whole God thing as presented, as presented... Huh? I, I, I have about as much faith in that story as I do in, in the UFO stories. Maybe a little more in the UFOs. This is Ryan Fobbs Graves, and I'm a former F-18 pilot with a decade of service in the U.S. Navy, including two deployments in Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Inherent Resolve. I have experienced advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial aircrew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me. Today, I would like to highlight three critical issues that demand our action. As we convene here, UAP are in our airspace, but they are grossly underreported. These sightings are not rare or isolated, they are routine. Military aircrew and commercial pilots, trained observers whose lives depend on accurate identification, are frequently witnessing these phenomena. The stigma attached to UAP is real and powerful and challenges national security. It silences commercial pilots who fear professional repercussions, discourages witnesses, it is only compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of eyewitness testimony. Parts of our government are aware of more about UAP than they let on, but excessive classification practices keep crucial information hidden. Since 2021, all UAP videos are classified as secret or above. This level of secrecy not only impedes our understanding, but fuels speculation and mistrust. U.S. politics is basically uh, a plutocratic state uh, where public policy has been taken over by uh, several powerful lobbies, each one devoted to its specific area. And they keep the control over U.S. policy through 
campaign contributions because our election campaigns are uh, funded by billionaires and by corporate lobbies. And they cost about $15 billion now for an election cycle. And you may have seen George Soros yesterday said, uh, I give my empire to my son. And the son said, I'm going to fund the Democratic Party. <clears throat> well, that's the billionaires that he'll put in hundreds of millions of dollars, a billion dollars would not be surprising uh, in the 2024 election. And then there are other billionaires. And so what are the lobbies? Wall Street controls financial policy and our health lobby controls uh, our unbelievably expensive private so-called health system. And our ag lobby controls the food industry with about 60% obesity or, or overweight in the United States, another huge, ser very serious public health crisis. And the military industrial complex controls foreign policy, not just military policy, foreign policy. So we have perpetual war and trillion dollar military budgets, 900 billion in the Pentagon budget, but there's a lot more. There's the CIA and there's Homeland Security, and there are many other categories, Department of Energy with nuclear weapons and so on. It's maybe $1.2 trillion a year. So that's on the spending side. On the revenue side, we have unanimous agreement among the billionaires. Don't tax us. It's very simple. So we have a low tax collection in the United States, and uh, this spending on the uh, military, for example, which has cost about $6 trillion in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and some of the other wars. $6 trillion. It's a lot, by the way. It starts to add up a little bit. And so our debt crisis comes from a broken political system. It's not so interesting, Democrats and Republicans, by the way. That's a little bit a children's game. The oligarchy is, the plutocracy is both parties. And... <laughs> I, I lost interest in the because it's basically a game that is below our intelligence. Uh, and this is our problem. Now, we will have rising debt in the future. It's a big country, big economy. We can spend a lot on wars. What There's been no public debate for a moment on the $120 billion that has been spent so far. This has all been just bits and pieces inside omnibus legislation. So we can't get a debate on anything because there is no debate. There'll, there'll have to be another appropriation for Ukraine. They'll try to put it in a must-pass bill so that it's not really debated and can just be snuck in because there's no interest in asking the American people anything about any of this. There's no attempt at deliberative democracy at all. No debate at all. I don't remember what I said to my on-air partner, Pat. We were talking about it, and I said, you know what? How fast did the Patriot Act? How did they write that? How many pages was that? I never even thought, you know, this is in the innocent days. Who wrote the Patriot Act? Because we know who wrote the Stimulus uh, uh, Act, and that was the Apollo Alliance. We looked it up. Does anybody here in the audience know who wrote the Patriot Act or when it was written? This will blow your mind. It was written in 1995. 1995, including the wiretapping and everything else. America, you know who wrote it? 
one of the biggest union guys of them all, Joe Biden. But in a nutshell, Joe Biden uh, in 1995 wrote this uh, legislation, which basically is, in a nutshell, the Patriot Act. They reworded it. They rearranged some of the paragraphs, but it's pretty much almost verbatim uh, the language that is in the Patriot Act. And so it existed some seven years before 9-11. Benjamin Franklin exited the Constitutional Convention. He was asked by a woman, sir, what have you given us? His immediate response was, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. Yet most Americans today have been persuaded that our nation's governmental system is a democracy and not a republic. The difference between these two is essential in understanding Americanism and the American system. Many Americans would be surprised to learn that the word democracy does not appear in the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution, nor does it appear in any of the constitutions of the 50 states. The founders did everything they could to keep us from having a democracy. James Madison, rightly known as the father of the Constitution, wrote in essay number 10 of the Federalist Papers, democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. Alexander Hamilton agreed and he stated, we are a Republican government. Real liberty is never found in despotism or in the extremes of democracy. And John Adams, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, stated, Democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. The political spectrum. Many have been led to believe that the political spectrum places groups such as communists on the far left, fascists or dictators on the far right, and political moderates or centrists in the middle. However, a more accurate political spectrum will show government having zero power on the far right to having 100% power on the far left. At the extreme right, there is no government. The extreme left features total government under such labels as communism, socialism, Nazism, fascism, princes, potentates, dictators, kings, any form of total government. Those who claim that Nazis and fascists are right-wing never define their terms. This amounts to spreading confusion. Toward the middle of the political spectrum can be found the type of government limited to its proper role of protecting the rights of the people. That's where the Constitution of the United States is. Those who advocate such a form of government are really constitutional moderates. I said, how could a plane, even a plane, even a 767 or 747 or whatever it might have been, how could it possibly go through this deal? I happen to think that they had not only a plane, but they had bombs that exploded almost simultaneously, because I just can't imagine anything being able to go through that wall. Most buildings are built with the steelers on the inside around the elevator shaft. This one was built from the outside, which is the strongest structure you can have, and it was almost just like a, uh, like a can of soup. You know, Donald, we were looking at pictures all morning long of that plane coming into uh, building number two, and when you see that uh, approach the the far side, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of a millisecond, the explosion pops out the other side. Right. I just think that there was a plane with more than just fuel. I think, obviously, there were very big planes. They were going very rapidly because I was also watching where the plane seemed to be not only going fast, it seemed to be coming down into the building. So it was getting the speed from going downhill, so to speak. Uh, it just seemed to me that to do that kind of destruction is even more than a big plane, because you're talking about taking out steel 
the heaviest caliber steel that was used on a building. I mean, these buildings were rock solid. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. It's, this country is different today, and, and it's going to be different than it ever was for many years to come. You're accused of. Uh, sadly, your response has actually invited more of them. I mean, for the record, everybody knows your infamous comments on PBS where you said, pool Building 7. Uh, on 525 on the day of 9-11. They, they were not sure they were going to be able to contain the fire. I said, you know, we've had such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull, and then we watched the building collapse. Uh, your official response was that it was the firefighters. My question is, it was pretty clear that you meant the building, and if it was the firefighters, they already are outside the building by 12 because the water lines were broken. Ask the question. And the, the fire chief that you said you spoke to, Fire Chief Negro, denies talking to you on that day of 9-11. Can you answer those questions and address the theories against you? I suggest to everybody's consideration that we all look at the thousands of pages of testimony that have been rendered in many years since 9-11. And let's use today's session for some of this. Are you aware of Thank testimony of bombs in the building before the building much. collapsed, sir? Are you aware of that testimony? Sir, there's testimony by Barry Jennings. You sir, you don't have to touch me. Uh, listen, I'll, I'll walk away. All I'm asking is a question. I don't have to, don't have to be kicked out. It's a legitimate question. You don't have to put your hands on me. But all I'm saying is, no, I'm not. I'm here asking. The question was not answered. That's why I have a group. Which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse, 7 have been arrested for fraud, 19 have been accused of writing bad checks, 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses, 3 have done time for assault, 71, I repeat 71, cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit, 14 have been arrested on drug related charges, 8 have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. Society collapses when the morality and ethics within that society are unable to hold it together. The United States of America is on the brink of becoming a failed society because of our inability to have a moral backbone. That is what's happening. This is something that has been occurring in our country since the Cold War. The internet has just amplified that and we are at attack from the inside and this is something that's been occurring for 60 fucking years. The military is considered at peacetime right now and they're weaker than they have ever been because of the lack of threat. And what I'm going to tell you is what it's going to take is a catastrophe to push our country to a point where we forget all this fucking bullshit, woke, liberal propaganda. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to all go out the fucking window and the entire country is going to be looking for masculine leaders. To the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carrying license? With one exception. And that is, if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, 
is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute. Okay. You're talking about crimes. There are laws against crimes, so how are their rights? Because, but, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam yep. do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. I don't want to be like Canada either, and I don't want to be like Australia. I'm sick of everybody using them as a humanity meter. There's a reason that they can do whatever they want to their citizens, like fucking throw them in camps. And there's a reason that our government doesn't even try that shit, because they know that they can't. If you don't think for one split second that if we didn't have our second amendment, the government wouldn't overstep its boundaries and make us do shit even when we're against it, you're out of your mind. I don't give a damn where you stand or how or what you vote. That's dandy and fine if you trust Uncle Sam, but I, for one, fucking don't. And why would I? What if they done give me a reason for me to believe them they want to trade me a little security in exchange for a big ass piece of my freedom they don't want to take away guns because they care about you and they want to keep you safe at night they want to take away guns because it's easy to control people if they don't have any way to fight hey buddy what's your little ar-15 gonna do what the government comes to take it well ukraine started handing out rifles to all of the citizens when the russians invaded so what about that i thought it wouldn't help i guarantee that it'd be better than nothing i hope it never does but if the day comes i bet that you're gonna wish that you had something this is the only country on earth where the people have real strength. And nowadays, with all the shit going on, it's the only thing that makes me feel safe. If there's anything that I've learned in the past couple years looking back at the pandemic, all of the shit that we have is fragile, and it could snap at any second. Fuck all of the politicians. I don't trust anything they say. Take the word gun out of gun control, and that's all that it is at the end of the day. I don't give a fuck how crazy you think that I look or I sound when I say this shit, but our Second Amendment's the only thing that stands between us and a dictatorship. Earl, members of the board, my name is Craig Schubert. I'm the mayor of this city. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography in the classroom. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. So I'm going to give you a simple choice. You either choose to resign from this Board of Education or you will be charged. Thank you. All right, people. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, that was Larry Silverstein in there talking about Poland Building 7. Uh, if you were wondering uh, who was doing the talking during that clip where the questioner uh, was asking about his comments regarding how uh, World Trade Center Building 7 fell. So lucky Larry Silverstein took out an insurance policy on the both towers, the entire complex of World Trade Center. Uh, before 9-11, you mean to tell me this guy didn't have some advanced knowledge about what was going to happen, my fellow Americans? Coincidence or conspiracy? 
All right, people, let's hit a commercial. And when we come back, part two of Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics, part nine, entitled The Great Awakening. I'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Someone was very upset in one of my comments when I said, it doesn't matter, you won't be able to fight back. Let me explain to you exactly what I meant. I'm sure everyone saw the president of Kenya who made a warning to everyone, an announcement, and said that if you hold dollars, you probably want to get rid of them as fast as possible. Because in a few weeks, everything's going to change. So let me explain. Here's what happens when the Saudis and OPEC dumped the dollar as the international reserve currency for petroleum. Day one, the markets will immediately start to tank. Inflation within a week, maybe two, will start to rise by 50 to 70%. Everyday items that you could walk in the grocery store and grab will now be so expensive, you're barely walking out with two or three things. The dollar at that point will be worthless because it was at one time on the gold standard, and it was taken off. The only thing the dollar had before was that it now was backed by oil, and that's now gone. So the U.S. dollar at that point will have absolutely no value. Next, Congress will try to implement some type of pricing control. They'll immediately pass through some sort of bill, which will do everything in its power to keep pricing low. This will cover everything from groceries, goods, services, utilities. But at that point, the damage will already be done. Here's where their problem begins. Within a few weeks, about 70% of the population of the U.S. will find themselves unemployed. With the dollar now worthless, people won't be going anywhere or doing anything to spend any money, A, because they won't have it, and B, the value of the dollar is done. And this is where the real problem begins. With a large section of the population now unemployed, crime will start. Crime on a scale that no one has ever seen. With people now desperate to do whatever it takes to put food on the table to take care of themselves and their families. Lawlessness will be found in every corner of the country. Law enforcement and even the National Guard will only have a minimal impact due to the millions and millions of people that will be taken to the streets. Now comes the plan that you knew about all along, but the plan that you can't stop. This is when the government introduces the CBDC, the Central Bank Digital Currency. Everyone is going to be told they're going to have money digitally deposited into their account, which will be available immediately. And the state, the nation will be in at that point. Everyone will be glad to accept the new currency. You see, the plan isn't to fight you. 
The plan isn't to try to take you over. The plan is to make you desperate and then offer a solution that you'll gladly accept. And in order to do this, they just need to control your money. But the first step is to take your money away. And the way to do that is to make the dollar worthless. Once the new central bank digital currency is accepted, all of the new programs and systems that have been put in place will now be used. Surveillance, censorship, monitoring, everything that's needed to keep the entire population in line. As I stated before, this isn't going to be something you can fight. They control the monetary system. They control the money. And making the dollar worthless is how they pull the rug out from under you. If inflation isn't theft, then why can't people counterfeit money? If they can just print money, why do we pay taxes? Wow. Inflation okay. is not theft, and we can just print money, and we don't have enough money. We can just print more money and give everyone that doesn't have enough money enough money. Why don't we just do that instead of paying taxes? Inflation is legal counterfeiting. Counterfeiting is criminal inflation. So central banking is a coordinated currency counterfeiting cartel that runs the world. It's a Band-Aid. You know what Milton Friedman said about inflation is that it's just like alcoholism. The good effects come early, right? You print the money, you have the drink, you feel good. The hangover comes later. The same is true of inflation. Every time the crisis comes, you have to print exponentially more money because there are exponentially more liabilities in the system from the last round of printing. And so this is why it's unsustainable and this is why it always culminates in hyperinflation. Because the central bank has not only the precedent, but also the incentive to continue printing the money until the currency hyperinflates into worthlessness. Want to know the truth about the climate agenda? It's about ushering in communism. It's about ushering in control. It's about taking the money and taking the lifestyle away from you and putting it in the hands of a select few that none of you listening, no matter if you love me or hate me, are a part of. You're never going to be a part of it. And they use these people who go out and push these agendas, like all these people who got COVID wrong and all these people who took seven vaccines and all these people who wore the mask and all these people who set their family away for Christmas and Thanksgiving because Dr. Fauci told them to, and all these hospitals that intubated people, which actually killed people, and then used remdesivir, which actually killed people, and then denied them ivermectin, which actually was the cure, because with the ivermectin, you couldn't declare a state of emergency if there was an effective therapeutic. This is why they denied it so heavily. So they wouldn't have been able to shut the world down, steal all your money, and the reason they wanted to declare a state of emergency wasn't about the vaccine or any of that shit. Yeah, the pharma companies made billions, but the biggest companies in the world, the Black Rocks, the Vanguard, these guys made trillions. And guess where they got it from? You. Weird thing that happened around COVID. I'd never noticed this before in any other time in my life. But you weren't allowed to ask questions at any point during this. You just had to, you had to do what the man on the TV said, right? You had to do what the man on the TV said without questions, and then you're a good person. But if you question it, then you're a white supremacist, Trumper, not, they're like, whoa, no, no. <laughs> No, I didn't vote for Trump. I just have questions. Jimmy, only dumb people ask questions. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Even comedians would get on stage and they would shame people for trying to get informed about a medical treatment that was experimental that they had to take or they would lose their jobs and they wouldn't be able to travel. And when people tried to get informed about that, other people shamed them. They would say, please tell me you're not going to... Do your own research. 
You've heard people say that. Please don't do your own research. You know, before COVID, doing your own research used to be called reading. <laughs> now you're shaming me for reading? At the behest of Big Pharma? It's like I woke up in the middle of a Bill Hicks bit. Well, looks like we got ourselves a reader. That's how much people internalized the propaganda from Big Pharma was that they would, shape, they would be anti-intellectual enough to shame people for reading while they're wagging their finger at them for doing it. You would never shame people for trying to get informed, no matter what other subject it was, no matter how unimportant. Like if I say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy a car. Don't look into it. Well, how will I know which car to get? Ask the salesman, he's the expert. What are you, Henry Ford? We have to forgive people, um, but I do think there should be some process where like, some type of reconciliation, um, but I don't, I don't think people should forget. Like, I don't think people, like the thing you were just saying about Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff yeah. like that and all that, don't forget. What, what these guys were willing to jump on board with. Yeah. Like, and how much further would they have gone? Right. You know what I mean? Like, what, like they pushed it pretty far, and these guys were completely on board. Like, is it really that unthinkable to say if they were like, hey, we're going to round up the unvaccinated yeah. and put them into camps, take them away from their family? You know? Yeah. Is that... Do I don't you, think so. I, I, some people would have gone along with it. Imagine if the pandemic was worse. Imagine if this mm. disease, instead of killing a, a fraction of 1%, imagine if it killed... Five percent, people yeah. would be on board with it. If it killed ten percent, people would be on board with it. It would. I mean, it's funny because um, Sam Harris had that uh, that uh, thing. He had a clip where he was saying that basically, like he, he was making the argument that, like, hey, if this thing was worse, you all, we wouldn't have tolerated any of this COVID misinformation. But here's why that's wrong. Because the vaccine still sucks. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I mean, if you change if you change all of the fundamentals and you make it yeah. a vaccine that's perfect and the thing is worse, then okay, fine. But I, when he said it, the first thing I'm thinking of it's like, oh yeah, no. Even in your scenario, you guys would have gone full Nazi. Like that's mm. what would have happened if mm. it was way worse. Because you guys wouldn't have just been like light totalitarians. Right. You would have gone to like some full dark totalitarian thing. Yeah. And so what now? Now you're gonna what? Uh, we no longer have freedom of speech, and you're gonna just what, what are you gonna do? Right. What are you gonna do to the person who says I don't want to get the vaccine now? And you know, when you eliminate that freedom of speech and you allow that government overreach and control, it never goes away. I don't think we can afford to assume that the people who are charged with our our public health any longer ha have our best interests at heart all the time. Parents have to, t have to make their own decisions. Why would a doctor not want to know more about something that could save, that could save a life or prevent a disease? The AAP is financed by the drug companies. Medical drug schools companies are financed by the drug this companies. Going. This is a huge business. Vaccine, vaccines are the largest growing division of the pharmaceutical industry. $13 billion. They control profit. medical schools. I mean, these doctors are not learning about prevention or vitamins or diets. What we're asking is for them to take a loss for the good of our children. That's a tough sell in a boardroom. Think they're going to cure cancer? It's a hundred ninety-four billion dollar a year business. Chemotherapy is big business. Yeah. You think if you came up with a pill, a guy had a pill that cures cancer, you would maybe take three steps and you popped in You're the head. Dead. I got yeah. a car that runs on water. <laughs> dead. <laughs> found hanging. Uh, yeah, I hey, I figured out a way to. Uh, make all, all this power freak. <laughs> <laughs>
another guy hanging. You accidentally it doesn't make no because there's because it's billions with a yeah. B of dollars involved, and so it's not going to stop. You can't. It's like you know you you can't you can't look. We don't live in a Walt Disney movie. The world is obviously very uh, you, you know corrupt and and and, and there's real evil. I mean, it's and you know the culling of the useless eaters, and I said the what. Because I had heard of things like the Trilateral Commission and the, the Illuminati, but I had never heard the term useless eaters. I said, who are the useless eaters? She said, everyone who is consuming our non-renewable natural resources. I said, well, who are you? She said, we are the neo aristocrats. We are the people at the top of the pyramid. Around us will be our servants and around them our technicians and we only need 10% of the population. Since 1974, the World Health Organization, not your friend, the World Health Organization has had a commission to develop and deploy vaccinations to permanently end the fertility of the women who receive the vaccines. And they were convicted in the Philippines of involuntarily sterilizing more than three million women there. Because to them, you're a cockroach. Let me digress for a moment and talk about the horrifying videos that you've seen of people who suddenly die by planking, by just falling over in one piece. Typically, they either look around in perplexity because they're obviously hearing and experiencing something and they're looking for the source, or they don't do that but they just suddenly die in one piece. It's the mother walking the baby in the baby stroller. It's the guy buying food at the fast food window. It's the uh, uh, person walking down the street. It's the uh, Arab diplomat speaking to a bunch of poobahs. And as he turns around to celebrate somebody, he simply falls over backwards in one piece. Well, I'm a doctor. And let me tell you that people don't die by falling over in one piece. There's only one way for that to happen, and I've made a video called A New Way to Die, speculating. And these are not the people, uh, we're talking about people who die uh, of blood clots and heart attacks and so on. These are the people who die this way, in one solid piece. Now, my speculation is that they are experiments, because we are just cockroaches or lab rats to the the great ones who see themselves as the elite. They are not the elite. They are scum. They are less than pond scum because pond scum has a place in the ecosystem. They do not. These are the psychopaths who see us as nothing to be uh, uh, respected, only to be used and disposed of. So what I believe is that they, having been injected, and many of these people are in, that you see on the videos are in China, but not all of them. And China has a very, very high rate of vaccination, as we know, mandatory vaccination. Uh, I believe that the nanotechnology that has been injected into them 
causes the voluntary muscles, the striated muscles, to go into a spasm when they're hit with a pulsed microwave 5G signal. Exactly. That's the kind of death we're talking about. And you notice that the arms and legs go out stiffly. The muscles that move your body are striated muscles, voluntary muscles, but you have another striated muscle. It's your heart. And so if you're hit with a, an energy pulse that causes you to go into total spasm, as this boy on the screen has gone into total spasm, your heart is also going into total spasm. I believe that these are experimental deaths to see if they're the pulsed microwave 5G system, soon to be replaced by the 6G system, is effective in eliminating those who are targeted for that elimination. And you will watch as this man goes into a complete spasm. This is not how people ordinarily die. This is induced death. This is part of the experimental program to which you notice her arm is extended. She's in spasm. Her heart, I believe, has been placed into spasm as well. Now, if they're willing to do this to us, what else are they willing to do to us? You saw how people were locked into their homes and uh, welded into their homes in China. That's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. What can we do? Well, the very first thing we could do is instead of looking at the tentacles of the octopus that is coming toward us, the, the to mix metaphors, the Death Star, which is also an octopus, instead of doing that, we need to go for the very heart of the system that is intending to harm and enslave us, kill and enslave us. And right now, that Death Star has a very, very clear, observable name. It's called the World Health Organization, which should be called the World Holocaust Organization. For that part of the island like it was before, only better. Build back better. To that end, when I was on the island last week, I appointed Bob Fenton, one of the nation's leading emergency managers, and I mean that, that's not hyperbole, who's been on the ground in Hawaii since before the fires erupted. Before? As our chief federal response coordinator to lead our long-term recovery on Maui. Something's fishy there. Investigation might not be so independent. Any doubt has our top story. H&N has confirmed the state attorney general will have power to decide what's released to the public, at least initially. Some critics worry it's a tactic to potentially cover up what's really happened. There's been many broken promises. How do the people of Lahaina really trust that? Many questions remain as to what happened the day of August 8th in the fire that left at least 115 dead in West Maui. An independent investigation is working to get answers, but news that the state will get the final say on what's released has some fire victims saying it's, quote, BS. I will start, uh, since we have to be brief, I have already given all pertinent information and supporting documentation to the Senate Intelligence Committee and Arrow. They informed me that all of my information will be recorded for public record and shared with Congress. It is that important. In 2010, I was selected to go down to the South Pole Station in Antarctica for an entire year by Raytheon Polar Services as an employee of a third-party contractor for the National Science Foundation. I function in a dual-role capacity as a tradesman and a firefighter. 
My responsibilities required me to be more informed than most of my crew and offered me complete access to the facilities. What I learned from this unique experience needs to be shared with the entire world. The technology at the South Pole Station certainly can do what it is presented as its primary purposes, and unfortunately, much more. The Ice Cube Neutrino Detector is presented as a passive listening device for the purposes of the science as presented. But I'm going to skip right through the chase, folks. Uh, I have provided documentation that proves that the 5,160, what they call DOMs, that are embedded in the ice can actually transmit at 2,047 volts each. That gives us a long list of things to consider. It is effectively a multifaceted directed energy weapons platform that I will uh, list rapidly a few things that it can do. Vehicle detection. We're learning that these off-world craft on-world craft, ours or other nations, are also emitting neutrinos. So this makes the South Pole Station effectively an air traffic control station for this new level of equipment that nobody's discussing. In addition to the ability to detect neutrinos and the exotic vehicles, I have provided documentation that shows that this is also a system for faster-than-light communications. In the past, Gary McKinnon has hacked nasa found the off-world fleet the list of captains and it's apparent that if we have faster than light vehicles moving throughout the system we're going to need faster than light communications this is that facility unfortunately i have other bad news the season that i was there 2010 to 2011 we converted from uh construction to operations and maintenance in both the elevated station and the detector array unfortunately when they first fired it up that was when we had the earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand. There was two incidental shots before they were able to target it correctly. This is an earthquake generating device as well. This is the weapons of war that we have to deal with now and what Raytheon's hiding. There's an ELF system at the South Pole Station that when I was arrived, I was told it was off, dismantled, and completely defunct. Partial, perhaps. Um, cloud seeding is something that I studied in school for meteorology, weather modification. Back when I went to school, it was like a poo-pooed a little bit. It was too expensive, it's not efficient enough. Well, guess what? When you get desperate and then technology gets better, 20 years later, here we are. Cloud seeding is ramping up so big. You see me there showing that flare on the plane. They send silver iodide into the clouds, and then it makes it snow more. So they can't make the cloud, right? But they're taking storms that are already there and then giving it a little boost. So this is not, that part's not new. What's new is they have hundreds of these round cloud seeders. So they're actually puffing the silver iodide with a flare. And you see, I think I have a picture of the actual ground cloud seeder into the air. That thing sits all over the Rocky Mountains, all over the American West. Ten states are doing this. And I wanted to tell the story because my friend Russ is the state climatologist of Colorado. And he said, you've got to see what's happening with the um, cloud seeding. It is huge and it's only getting bigger by next year. You guys want to talk about this more? Because I do. I have no idea how I didn't find this. This is from 2018. Government accidentally releases documents on psychoelectric weapons. This is from Popular Mechanics. So allegedly, this journalist was requesting information about Antifa and white supremacist groups. This was during like BLM, I guess. So he got all of his questions answered and then he also got a file that was labeled EMF, EM effects on human body dot zip. And he got files like this. Forced memory blanking and induced erroneous 
Actions. Induce changes to hearing, both apparent direction and volume, and sometimes even content. Sudden violent itching inside eyelids. Forced manipulation of airways, including externally controlled forced speech, wildly racing heart without cause, odds, controlled dreams, forced waking visions, some synced with body motion, microwave hearing, there's a star next to that one, seems like this was in 1974, transparent eyelids, whatever that is, artificial tinnitus, forced movement of jaw and clacking of teeth, forced muscle quaking of the large muscles in the back, forced precision manipulation of hands, sometimes synced to the forced waking visions. Like, what the fuck? Thing, once I have your bio-coded uh, information about your bio-code, I just transmit that off all the towers in the United States, and you're harassed no matter where you are. There's a bioresonance to every individual, just like our fingerprint. Every person has an individual DNA, a different bioresonance. And so, uh, the Stockland, the original Stockland patent is on my website where Stockland was able to go voice the skull with pulse tra uh, transmissions in 92. And then after the, the rest of the development went black ops. We don't really know what happened after that. We knew we could put voices in uh, to, uh, group people's heads. What they did, and I know from the Russian trans translation from Cheryl Welch, from reading all her translated psychotronic stuff from Russia, that they figured out how to biocode these microwaves so that it can attack specific individuals. Once they have your DNA, they take the DNA and they put the, your DNA code in a supercomputer. And in that supercomputer, they run algorithms that biocode electromagnetic transmissions so they bioresonate with your body. Once they've done that, they can transmit that from satellites or cell towers or aircraft or any number of ways. And that signal will only affect you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with all, yeah, like it's the cell phone towers and everything else as well. Well, the towers are the matrix, you know, they know the movie, The Matrix. As an example, if I go into a city location and I'm testing an environment, I can see probably anywhere from 30 to 60 Wi-Fi access points. So that means that you're saturated microwave. That's all 2.4 gigahertz, you know, microwave transmissions with 60, trans 60 transmission access points that are sending and receiving. The Human Genome Project was carried out at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, where I was a staff scientist for five years. They were tracking people in the lab by the electromagnetic frequency emitted by individual DNA. The DNA in every living thing has a unique frequency and signal. That is what they're using, what they're focusing on, and what they're weaponizing to completely control us. All they need is to, to kind of identify your DNA fingerprint like, <laughs> uh, uh, with your name, and then they can, they can watch you 24 hours a day. This is one part. The other part So we are, is... we are running a GPS system? Yes. The way the technology works, the voice of skull, is to tap into the resonant frequency of the DNA of the individual, the targeted individual. And this allows total mind, spirit, and body control over the individual by those who are running this program.
since I saw on a daily basis how intimately involved in this program of voice to skull social engineering and gang stalking my private security company was, I couldn't help but notice that our clients, one of the largest corporations in America and indeed the world, just happened to have a massive database of DNA on its property. A DNA database that stores the DNA of millions of Americans. Their emotions, their thoughts, their minds, their heartbeat, their muscle movements, their dreams, their thoughts. Everything they see and everything they hear is all recorded and manipulated by this technology. And all of this is made possible by the people running this program utilizing the technology to tap into the resonant frequency of the individual's DNA. So they can broadcast this from a, a satellite, uh, a tower, over a, a many, many miles. And yet only that particular person, the targeted individual with that particular physiological signature or DNA signature will actually pick up the sent, the sent message, correct? That is correct. The, the digital receiver is the human brain. Okay, so you could be standing in a room full of 100 people. The stream of energy, the stream of electromagnetic... Hits everyone, but you're the only one who gets it. That's what I was saying, yeah. It, okay. would, it, would hit, it would pass right through and around everyone, and they would not even sense anything. But the victim would absorb the energy and feel its effects. Because only the victim possesses that specific brainwave signature, sure. which the sure. stream of energy is tuned into. The supercomputer begins to monitor all electromagnetic activity of the victim's brain by way of this bidirectional stream of energy mm -hmm. and it begins to monitor and download all that in that information back into its database the system the, the supercomputers are designed to clone to download one's entire persona and psyche back into its database because of my responsibilities in surveillance as a otherwise normal security specialist uh, i would show this technology at work and it was through the perspective, of course, of the camera and what I was told that it was obvious it was being uh, used through the eyes of the targets. Um, so I have seen it and it is absolutely remarkable. It's just like a first person, you know, video game or something where you, you see right through the eyes of the individual. When we look through our eyes, there are photons hitting the outside of our face. They don't actually make it into the part that thinks. The part that thinks is looking at something else. It's looking at some kind of weird compressed signal. Basically, those optical signals are, are interpreted by the brain, and then you, you perceive them as vision. You perceive them as pictures and so forth, but this is all uh, electrical signals within the brain. Uh, and so the exact same thing, the data is taken in through the eyes, and then your brain renders it in a visual form that you, we know as sight. The exact same thing happens with the computer. Uh, the data is sent to the computer, then it is rendered, uh, in the form of a picture that people can look at. Images, like natural images, like what I'm looking at, have so much structure that they can be shrunk and compressed into a very tiny, what AI people call representation. So what our brains seem to do is build a very, very good compressed representation of the world, call it a model. So just like if I have a building and there's like a blueprint or a scale model of the building, Imagine I have the whole world and all of its concepts 
and I shrink it down into this weird compressed representation so that it fits inside my brain. The exact same thing happens with the computer. Uh, the data is sent to the computer and then it is rendered. And from what I understand, that's where this technology is right now. The cutting edge is trying to marry, you know, the software that's used to render it on the computer and the actual uh, detecting of the signal and the hacking of the signal within the human mind. So the, the, the modern view of intelligence, or, a, or call it cognition more generally, is that it's a very important thing that we create models of the world inside our heads. They're using two interfaces, like we said, the brain-to-computer interface. That's the supercomputer, the sophisticated and advanced exascale system downloads all of your, you know, all electromagnetic activity, all these synaptic responses, the electromagnetic emissions of the victim's brain is downloaded at speed of light. Energy travels at speed of light, so they can download, upload at speed of light. Sure. Back into a database as they build, as the supercomputer is programmed to build, uh, using various software programs, a cognitive model of your brain. And what we are trying to do is to use this precious knowledge to build machines they can actually create, manipulate, and use these parallel realities in the service of this one. We want to grab those parallel realities from this abstract space in which they live and crunch them down into this chip. Uh, to eventually achieve direct behavioral control over you. And then based on you know that cognitive model being complete, to, to be, begin to be able to predict and influence in advance the reference choices of the victim during thought composition. As the victim is formulating his thoughts and preparing to act, the supercomputer already has that persona and psyche, all your emotional state downloaded, every vector of your emotional state downloaded, so I can already predict and influence mm -hmm. those events in sure. your life in advance sure. and achieve direct behavioral control over you. And they had created a digital model of Earth and everybody in it down to a digital GPS coordinates model up to even a vertical dimension of one and a half centimeters, every building, every roadway, everything. And what they want to do is create an internet of things where in digital space they know exactly what you're doing in real time. They want to know in real time what shows you're watching, what sandwich you're eating, what part of the house you're walking around. They want to know everything. Where they are literally just seeing what it's like for someone to eat a sandwich, what it's like uh, the emotional response and the, and the brain activity when someone is insulted, when someone uh, gets love, when someone interacts with someone, all of these different aspects of the human experience, so that my original thought was that they are using it to be able to program the technology itself. Aman Jabi has worked in Silicon Valley for 28 years. His background includes work on deep technologies that are involved in the new digital prison system being designed by big tech. In 2020, he moved to Montana and became a whistleblower, warning the public of the very real threat about to be unleashed upon us all, known by many as the Mark of the Beast system. Aman explains how accepting the digital ID is the basic premise behind it all. So by default, a digital identity implies that you are always in a digital prison. Since you have a digital identity and you're in a prison, you are by default a criminal. So we don't trust you. Just like the old system, this new one is also voluntary. And you are supposed to know that it's a digital prison that you are voluntarily signing up for. And the reason for this is because in this new system, having a digital ID will be proof that you are a criminal. Because having a digital ID 
means that you are in a digital prison, and because you accepted it, you must be a criminal. Because of this, there is a new protocol being introduced with this system, known as zero trust. How is zero trust going to be used? Here's a lady, she wants to go and buy some beef, but let's say her carbon footprint or her beef footprint for the month has been exceeded, that door won't open. This digital prison is sneaking up on us all. There is no need for an implanted chip because everything is being done with facial recognition, which is already plugged into the entire system. America already has more cameras per capita than communist China, and our social credit score is already being logged. All we need at this point is a series of events that lead us all into having to make the choice of either accepting the new digital ID or saying no. Since the COVID lockdowns, new state-of-the-art LED lights have been replacing street lights in cities throughout the West. Aman explains that this is all part of the plan. These lights will be connected to everything, including your phone and your car. And in new cars, that includes 16 different cameras with LiDAR and sonar. These lights are being outfitted with LED incapacitators, which is a light technology that was first announced 15 years ago, back when it caused enough brain damage to make a person sick. Another strange weapon in the final stages of development is able to mount an all-out barrage on the optic nerve. The LED incapacitator was developed under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security for the purposes of creating what we call a non-lethal defense system. And uh, this technology consists of a bright set of LED technology, light-emitting diodes, uh, that is designed to create uh, sort of temporary blindness, meaning temporary ability to not be able to see the person who we're trying to protect. If aggressors caught in its bright pulsating glare don't shield their eyes or turn away quick enough, Temporary blindness isn't the only effect they'll feel. The first time I saw the LED, I was in a darkened room, and within three or four seconds, I had reached forward and grabbed a hold of a lab bench because I was feeling a little bit uh, uh, dizzy or disoriented. The device's combination of different colors and random flashes can induce psychophysical effects, including vertigo and possible nausea. It's been nicknamed the puke light. It's been 15 years and our Silicon Valley whistleblower believes that this technology is now capable of killing people. Ultimately, we can say no to this. But if there's a critical mass that doesn't sign on to the digital ID, then this agenda gets weakened substantially. But we will have to first unify and come together. See nothing yet. We are still just at the tip of this revolution. The entire liberal democratic system is built on philosophical ideas we've inherited from the 18th century, especially the idea of free will, which underlies uh, uh, the, the basic mottos of the liberal worldview, like the voter knows best, the customer is always right, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, uh, follow your heart, do what feels good. All, all these liberal mottos, which are the foundation of our political and economic system, they assume that the ultimate authority is the free choices of individuals. This was okay for the last two or three centuries 
Because even though free will was always um, a myth and not a scientific reality, I mean, science knows of only two kinds of processes in nature. It knows about deterministic processes and it knows about random processes. And their combination results in probabilistic processes. But randomness and probability, they are not freedom. They mean that I can't predict your actions. Now, up till now in history, the humans were so complicated that from, from a practical perspective, it still made sense to believe in free will. Because nobody could understand you better than you understand yourself. You had this inner realm of desires and thoughts and feelings which you had privileged access. The privileged access now belongs to corporations like Google. They can have access to things happening ultimately inside my body and brain which I don't know about. There is somebody out there, not just one, all kinds of corporations and governments that maybe not today, maybe in five years, 10 years, 20 years, they will have privileged access to what's happening inside me, more privileged than my access. They could understand what is happening in my brain better than I understand it. You don't have to give them permission. I mean, in some countries, maybe you have no choice at all. But even in a, in a democracy like the United States, a lot of the information that enables an external entity to hack you, um, nobody asks you whether you want to give it away or not. Now, at present, most of the data that is being collected on, on humans is still from the skin outwards. We, we haven't seen nothing yet. We are still just at the tip of, of, of this revolution because at present whether it's Google and Facebook and Amazon or whether it's the government or whatever they are, uh, are trying to understand people mainly on the basis of what I, what I search what I buy where I go who I meet it's all external the really big revolution which is coming very quickly will be when the AI revolution and machine learning and all that the infotech revolution meets and merges with the biotech revolution and goes under the skin. The microchip actually in his hand. The tiny implant is the latest advance in a biohacking technology. That serves as his keys, his ID and his wallet. When biometric sensors or even external devices, now we are developing the ability, for example, to know the blood pressure of individuals just by looking at them. You don't need to put a sensor on a person. Just by looking at the face, you can tell what is the blood pressure of that individual. And by analyzing tiny movements in the eyes, in the mouth, you can tell all kinds of things from the current mood of the person. Are you angry? Are you bored? To things like sexual orientation. Biometric systems can recognize a person's specific physical attributes, their fingerprints, facial features, iris or retina. The technology is already used around the world. So um, we are talking about a world in which humans are no longer a black box. Nobody really understands what happens inside, so we say, okay, free will. No, the box is open, and it's open to others, certain others, more than it is open to you. You don't understand what's happening in your brain, 
but some corporation or government or organization could understand that. You said we are one of the last generations of Homo sapiens. Within a century or two, Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from chimpanzees. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? That freaked me out. You know, we'll soon have the power to re-engineer our bodies and brains, whether it is with genetic engineering or by directly connecting brains to computers or by creating completely non-organic entities, artificial intelligence, which is not based at all on the organic body and the organic brain. And these technologies are developing at breakneck speed. If that is true, then it creates a whole other species. This is something which is way beyond just another species. Yuval Noah Harari is talking about the race to develop artificial intelligence, as well as other technologies like gene editing that could one day enable parents to create smarter or more attractive children, and brain-computer interfaces that could result in human-machine hybrids. Played a key role in the development of South Africa's nuclear weapons program during the darkest years of the racist apartheid regime. Today, Klaus Schwab is the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. If you'd like to meet the people who are supposed to repair the state of the world, or give a piece of your mind to the bankers who help get us into this mess, we can tell you where to find a lot of them. The World Economic Forum. Founded in 1971, the World Economic Forum is an international private organization which receives billions of tax-free dollars from its members and their global enterprises. Every year, the WEF brings together its members with world leaders, big pharma executives, tech titans, Hollywood celebrities, media personalities, and internet influencers to meet in the secluded mountains of Davos, Switzerland. It is a tiny town folded into the Swiss Alps, a village where you could bump into Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, the head of Google, and the Queen of Jordan, all in one place. A lot of reporters cover the forum, but few get inside. It turns out there are two Davoses, one you see and one you don't. After hours, there are hundreds of private parties where deals are done. People who can't be seen together in public can meet here. Planet, disconnected, shut up. Look at that, all man-made plagues right there. By design, your health is a business, and you are rats in a cage, in a prison planet, disconnected, shut off from source, since birth. Here are the future remedies, regenerated limbs, cloned tissues and organs, digital consciousness transfer, medical pods and nanobots. You gotta heal yourself and get rid of the parasites within you in your brain and your heart and your stomach. You got parasites, you need to cleanse it. Definitely get that Paragard and Wormwood. They don't like that shit. Can't forget the black walnut. Jackfruit, soursop, cures cancer. Also castor oil. Go get you the healing web. Everything is in here. Learn the truth. Free yourself. You're being poisoned. Black seed oil. This is crazy, bro. We are definitely rats in a cage. Be an experiment.
indiscriminate and poisoned. And if you think it's a conspiracy theory, you're 100% mentally fucking retarded. You've been cursed. You can't see, hear, or feel anything. Into the C40 websites. The C40 is the consortium of municipalities that have signed on to the 15-minute city plan. And I read in their own documentation, this is relevant to the uh, tri-state city idea, that their goals are to reduce caloric calories caloric consumption to 2,500 calories a day by, by force, essentially, within the next 15 years, to ensure that the peasant class, which is everybody but the elitists, can't fly more than one time every three years, to not merely shift private car ownership from fossil fuel to electric, which is fundamentally impossible because the grid can't handle it, but to eliminate 90% of, of private car ownership so that people are forced to take you know, unbelievably expensive in terms of time utilization and non-existent public transportation systems and to limit the amount of travel that people can do outside of their neighborhoods. And, you know, I find and then I watch the legacy media claim that pointing that out is something akin to a right wing wing conspiracy, which it most certainly isn't because you can just find the bloody documentation online. And then I look at places like China, which have taken this to an extreme 400 600 million closed-circuit TV cameras in China, one for every one and a half persons, watching the Chinese all the time, able to monitor them 100% by face, and also to identify them by gate, and, and to limit their ability to do absolutely anything, to buy, to sell, to travel, to move, to leave their neighborhood, with this top-down surveillance system that perversely and consciously the some of the Chinese engineers have actually named Skynet and in a conscious attempt to produce a positive version of, you know, the absolutely catastrophic apocalyptic artificial intelligence that was in the bloody Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And you can't even talk about this stuff without sounding like a raving conspiratorialist. But but there it is. Now, tell me more about the tri-state city. So what have you seen? Because I don't know anything about it. Neither does anybody else watching, I presume, except for you know, those who've gone down the rabbit hole with you. Uh, I was reading a book about cholera a couple of years ago. I think it was called Ghost Map. And, uh, and interestingly, towards the end of the book, he, the, the author in an otherwise excellent book started talking about these smart cities where, you know, basically everything, we don't have to worry about any disease anymore, that sort of thing. Last time I was in China, uh, you know, I got kicked out of Hong Kong in 2020. I was a bad boy. Uh, I was watching the protests, and they finally kicked me out after seven months. But that was Hong Kong. But when I was last time I was in mainland China, I was actually uh, researching information more. I was in places like Nanjing and Shanghai and that sort of thing. But I was in southern China, uh, where the Uyghurs are, uh, at, for part of that trip. And I, I was talking with restaurant owners and farmers and that sort of thing. And the restaurant, various restaurant owners told me that when a Uyghur comes in, they are mandated by law to call the police immediately. The police immediately come to check. So the smart city goes beyond mere optics. You know, they're installing those cameras all over Hong Kong. They were doing it that when I left. That's in Hong Kong. But over in mainland China, it's not just the cameras everywhere. It's also, you know, you're mandated to call. When I was in Hong Kong, by the way, in the protest, the, the, the protesters would take their lasers and shine them in the cameras and, and burn out the sensors. Actually, my camera got a little damaged by it. And But, you know, that's not a long-term solution, obviously. But the, the, what I'm getting to is these smart cities are clearly coming, and they're already here to some degree. 
every time we use our cards and that sort of thing. But they're clearly taking it to a higher level of complete control. And again, they this isn't conspiratorial. They say they're going to do it. I mean, talk about Mark Rutte, the prime minister of Netherlands. You can see Klaus Schwab going, where do you find such prime ministers as Mark Rutte? You know, did you see him say, I, I, I watch your Twitter, uh, Jordan, and I, and I watch a lot of your uh, podcast. I know you know what's going on because you talk about it all the time. On August 1st, Fox News reported that you settled a lawsuit with the World Economic Forum after they failed to remove your name from its 2021 list of young global leaders, even though you declined the nomination. Why did your name continue to appear on World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders list? And what are your ties to the organization, if any? Oh, so the ties to the organization are none. My only link was actually being the chief critic of their agenda. So everybody in this room might not even know what we're talking about. There's an organization called the World Economic Forum. They stand for a vision of the world called the Great Reset. What is the Great Reset? It's a different vision of how we're all supposed to live. It says that we have to dissolve the boundaries between the public sector and the private sector, between governments and companies, between nations, to be able to now work towards what they call the global common good. I'm against this. I am a citizen, not of some global citizen. I am a citizen of this nation, the United States of America. I'm proud of that. That is true. That means something to me. And on this side of the pond in 1776, we said that we, the people, determine how we sort out our differences, where every person's voice and vote counts equally. In the old world Europe, it was the other way. It had to be a small group of elites in the back of palace halls in old England that decided what was right for the rest of society at large. In this country, we said no to that vision. We, the people, decide our own destiny as citizens of a nation. So that old world view, though, it started to rear its head again in recent years in the form of this World Economic Forum. They hold a meeting every year in Davos. Klaus Schwab is the person who leads it. It's basically a view that says the citizens cannot be trusted on questions like climate change or racial injustice. It has to be settled by a class of global elites, including large billionaires. It's part of why they decided to name a lot of young billionaires. Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, others have been named on their list. So a funny thing happens. I wrote my first book, Woke Inc. It was a criticism of this agenda. Every one of my books has, especially Capitalist Punishment, has gone into detail exposing some of the corruption in this worldview. I went on to start a company, Strive, to push against the ESG agenda. That's the manifestation of the Great Reset in our, capitalist, in our capital markets. But then a curious thing happens. A guy who's affiliated with the World Economic Forum reaches out and says, hey, we're going to give you an award. You're going to be named on our list of young global leaders with all this long list of billionaires. And, you know, Ibram Kendi was going to be on that list. And this is a guy I've been very critical of. So I said, no, I don't think this is going to be a good fit for me. I disagree with you all. If you want to have a debate, I'll debate anybody. But I'm not a good fit for your list. I decline the award. Out of these troubled times, our fifth objective, a new world order can emerge, a new era, freer from the threat of terror, stronger in the pursuit of justice, and more secure in the quest for peace. Oh boy, I don't know if you believe that shit, my fellow Americans, but I hope a picture is forming in your mind. Uh, let's take one more commercial break. 
And when we come back, the last segment, and this one gets dark and bleak, maybe a bit occulted and satanic, if you will. The next and final segment of Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics, Part 9, The Great Awakening, coming up next. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a provision in the CIA charter that says that the CIA cannot propagandize the American people. President Obama adopted in 2016 that essentially reopened the door for Operation Mockingbird so that the CIA began once again to um, to propagandize American And people. how are they doing that, President? High-level intelligence officials are, are running those journals, like Noah Schlachman, who runs... Uh, Stone, who came from Daily Beast. Daily Beast was run by John Avalon, who was, you know, who has deep ties to the intelligence uh, agencies. But even journals like Smithsonian, um, National Geographic, Nature, um, the Washington Post, the New York Times appear to be uh, compromised by the CIA. We know from the Twitter files that both the FBI and CIA were operating portals within Twitter and Facebook that allowed them to manipulate information and to, to, to deplatform people and to, you know, silence certain people that they didn't like. Operation Mockingbird it was a, an operation to compromise American journalists. There were uh, some 400 uh, editors, journalists, you know, signed uh, secrecy agreements with the CIA and at CBS, ABC, NBC. After 75, when it all came out, during the church committee hearings. This event called Event 201, a pandemic simulation that took place in October 2019 in New York. What is the CIA doing in a pandemic simulation? They're not a public health agency. What they're talking about is using this pandemic as a pretext for clamping down totalitarian control. And the first thing they said is, we got limit free speech. We can't allow people to criticize government policies. We cannot allow people to talk about a lab leak. They're doing this in October of 2019 before anybody of us have ever heard of Wuhan. I believe in the idea that we shouldn't be trying to control communication, but rather flood the zone, in a sense, with a trusted source. The things we want to do is work with telecommunication companies to actually ensure that everybody has access to the kind of communications that we're interested in providing. CIA has been conducting these simulations since 2001, and they're practicing how do we use the next pandemic to execute a coup d'etat against American democracy and against the Bill of Rights. And that is very, very worrying. Everything that they bottled, they did. Michael Aquino was a high-level officer in the National Security Agency. Uh, he was and is, you'll see him today, a practicing Satanist. Uh, he created the Satanic Temple of Set. 
which he still runs. He was a high-level NSA officer. He's a member of the association I used to be in, uh, the Association of Former Intelligence Officers, AFIO. He's a member of that. He's plugged in big time to the intelligence uh, community. And he wrote a paper called Mind War. And Mind War was about uh, psychological operations against, po against populations, including uh, the American, the domestic population, using uh, Satanist techniques and tools. Aquino was first involved in NK-Ultra operations during the Vietnam War as part of the Phoenix program. Well, first I've been involved in intelligence and psychological operations for about 40 years uh, in all levels of it and across the intelligence community. You are a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. Correct. Now. Uh, and it was uncovered that he was running a pedophile ring. I think 50 kids came out and fingered him as the guy that had uh, uh, done sexual acts on them as children. It went to trial. Uh, he, he walked from the trial um, uh, successfully because he had a good attorney, despite the fact that there were multiple witnesses that said Aquino, it, through satanic rituals, had abused them as children. There's no question that he's a practicing Satanist. Just watch any one of his... We need to make the the Iranians pay a price in Syria. We need to make the Russians pay a price. The other okay, thing I we would need, do... We make them pay the price by killing... killing Russians? Yes. And, and killing Iranians. Iranians? Yes. Covertly. So the, you don't tell the world about it, right? You don't stand up at the Pentagon and say, we did this, right? But you make sure they know it in Moscow but, and Tehran. The people who Here's the other thing I want to do. Here's the other thing I want to do. I want to go after... I want to go after those things that Assad sees as his personal power base, right? I want to scare Assad. So I want to, I want to um, go after his presidential guard. I want to bomb his offices in the middle of the night. Well, that happened about two years ago. As you remember when his brother-in-law was... I want to destroy his presidential aircraft on the ground. I want to destroy his presidential helicopters. Um, I want to make him think we're coming after him, right? Um, I'm not advocating assassinating him. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm advocating going after the, what he thinks is his power base, right, and what he needs to survive. I want him to think about, um, this is not going to end well for me, right? Mm. Um, I want to I put pressure on him. I want to put pressure on the Iranians. I want to put pressure on the Russians um, to come to that diplomatic cell. So we now have reached this point in, at the end of Kali Yuga where, where we have such a dumbed-down population that people cannot even recognize what is going on. There's a mass die-off, there's genocide happening, there are incredible things, but most people are in denial of them because they, they can't handle the truth. You see, that's the main thing of the ego. It prefers ignorance to knowledge. And, and so uh, we're at a time when very few people are willing to know everything that we need to know in order to change the situation for the better. So we're at the, at the end of that period where almost all, even egos, let alone souls, are exhausted. And, and they, they have no more creativity. Which is why you see there's a death of culture. There's very little music, drama, uh, any of the arts. They, they have all fallen. Even the cinema, the last art, is now mostly very trashy yes. kind of uh, material. And, uh, and there's uh, a loss of all moral values, uh, all of the traditional 
uh, ways that society was able to sustain itself with divine masculine and feminine energies that are all lost now in transgenderism and all of that. And, and so people are so confused and they have no more values and they, they feel so cynical uh, and so depressed. Families that control the world are the direct bloodline descendants of the ancient Sumerian gods, also known as the Anunnaki. These bloodline descendants believe that they have the divine right to rule over all of humanity. This is where we get kings, queens, princes. This is where it all comes from. It comes from these Anunnaki bloodline. They believe that you are their slaves and you are their property because their ancestors, who were the ancient Sumerian Anunnaki gods, they were the original geneticists that hybridized the human slave species. So their DNA, the bloodlines of these ancient Anunnaki, their DNA is different than ours. That's why they believe they have the right to rule over us. They have inherited all the knowledge, all the wealth, all the power, all the technology, and they're using it against you. They just used it on Hawaii. They lied about it on the media. They called it a wildfire, but that was not a wildfire. That was what's called a direct energy weapon. It's a very advanced technology that shoots a laser beam down from the sky and then starts incinerating things. They're doing this because they wanted to destroy the infrastructure and then rebuild it with what's called a smart city. And a smart city is basically going to be like a prison. They're called smart cities. They're also called 15-minute cities. And that's going to be like a prison where the people that live in it have a QR code and a barcode and numbers attached to them. And they're not allowed to leave within a 15-minute radius unless they have the government's permission. This is happening right now and it's going to continue to happen and you need to be aware about it so that you can prepare. Next year, 2023 is the seventh. 2023 so what does that mean for that means it's, it's, it's what is called a universal year universal means that everybody going through next year will go through some spiritual shift in their makeup some will become born again christians some will go to church a lot of people will get psychic readings but seven is the number of spirituality and seven is a difficult challenge for most people because it's more spiritual it makes you stop look and listen to figure out why you do the things you do so in other words, instead of, so for example, if you're walking around because it's magnetic seven, you walk around saying, man, I don't have no money. I don't have no money. The source will make sure you don't have no money. So it's what you think is what you will attract. This is the goal of true occultism, which comprises a set of esoteric traditions focused on objective knowledge of natural law and the alignment of thought, emotion, and action, resulting in true intelligence, true care, and true will being born within the individual. We're talking about the actual awakening of the aspects of consciousness and aligning them all in harmony with each other. It is the alignment of holistic intelligence, Okay, logical and intuitive, the desire for truth and true will, alignment with the will of creation, alignment with the force that expands consciousness, which is love, energy, and aligning our behaviors into practical action toward true freedom. That's the true will. This is what the goals of real occultism are. All right. Uh, William Shakespeare was not a real person. William Shakespeare was actually the signature of a man. The name can literally be rearranged to spell seek a wise phrase. And he basically said that the earth is a stage and we fell from the ether down to this theater, which spells earth. So you can be an extra or you can be the main star. And in this matrix, earth is our mother and our father is heaven or God, also known as the ether. In Norse mythology, Thor is the god of gods. His father is Odin, which is the god of the Asir or Asgard, which is the ether. 
Malkuth to the Kether, Malkuth being Earth, Kether, the Ether. Inside the Ether, where light beings, low vibrational light becomes matter, we fall in consciousness. Frequency matter becomes light. It becomes illuminated. It raises its frequency through love. Either you control your mind or you become mind controlled. We are chess players or we are pawns, just like the Masonic homage to the checkerboard, spirit and matter. We are material bodies being driven by eternal forces called the seven luminaries. We are the seven Elohim. We are the Anunnaki. We are the seven chakras that are within us. We are good and bad. Enli and Anki is our ego and higher mind fighting each other. We make decisions every day and we battle ourselves. It's our higher nature versus our lower nature. We want to have cheat days. Some of us cheat on our partners. Some of us lie. We, we can be players or we can be ascended masters of the universe. Master is the main star. Or you can be a non-playable character, which is an NPC or a bot. No ambition or diligence, a couch potato, a sloth, a loser, not a winner. We don't want to be extras. We want to be the main movie star. Life can be a dream or a nightmare. We are either dreaming the dream that we want or we're stuck in someone else's dream. If you do not do the spiritual work, which is gain as much information as possible, stay healthy, be aware at all times of your surroundings. We come from purity and all the information in the universe. Hence, we came from pure intelligence and we fell down into form and lost our memory. That's why babies have no memory. We are wiped clean. And our goal is to remember everything and wake up. We fell asleep. It's time to wake up, Neo. You are the one. It is time to be a werewolf in the matrix. You either follow the rabbit down the rabbit hole or you stay asleep. Now choose. Because the Gnostics, and this is an idea that many who are committed to Christianity will, will find repulsive or very difficult to accept. The Gnostics said that the entity that we call God, Jehovah, as he is in the Old Testament. The Muslims call him Allah. It's the same entity, the God of Abraham. But this entity, the, 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 the God of, of Judaism as well, of course, Je Jehovah, God of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, goes by different names, he's the same entity. But this entity isn't a God at all, from the Gnostic point of view. They, from the Gnostic point of view, the simple word to describe him is a demon. He's a demon. And uh, what he's done is he has convinced mankind that he is God. And he wants us to, because he's really a demon, not a God at all, he wants to bring out the worst in us. He wants us to behave in ways that cause fear and terror and hatred and division because that's what he thrives on. That's what he, that's what he grows on. He grows on that, <clears throat> on that uh, the manipulation of hatred in humanity. And, and, and if you look at the statements and the actions of the God of the Old Testament, he is not a nice guy. The stuff he does, does the, the mass murders that he's, that he's responsible for, the incitement that he delivers to his followers to engage in horrific acts occurs again and again. And you have to ask yourself, can this be a good thing? Can this be a good thing when he's telling us to go off and commit acts of murder in his, in his name? And those acts of what I often say is, when you look at the three mainstream monotheistic faiths, all of them talk the talk of peace and love. But actually, if you look at the walk they walk, it's a walk of hatred and fear and suspicion. And it seems to me that there's a real chance that the Gnostics were right, and that the entity that we have been hoodwinked 
by a supernatural entity, if you like, by a, by, by a, a demonic entity who has persuaded us that he is God, made us act in his name, the crusades, the religious wars, the terrible divisions, the persecutions of members of other faiths that have occurred, all of that is not the action of a good and loving God. All of that is the, is the action of a demon, and that's what the Gnostics said he was. They called him the Demiurge, and they felt that he had, he had um, representatives in the human race who disguised themselves as human beings, who were called archons, whose whole sole task was to mislead us further down the path of darkness and take us away so that we would never realize the divine spark within ourselves and that a grand cosmic game is being played out here, uh, of which, at which the human race is the fulcrum, and the decisions that we make and the choices that we make uh, are not only important to us, but are, but are important to the, to the whole cosmos. This is the center of the Gnostic idea. It's a very powerful idea, and I think it's an idea that, that merits further exploration. Enoch is a book that was quite popular during the first 700 years of church history, but then faded from sight. Nobody republished it. It disappeared until the book of Enoch was rediscovered in the Ethiopian region of Abyssinia. Few historical writings arouse as much curiosity as the book of Enoch, which has been described as forbidden from the Bible for unveiling profound truths about the mysteries of creation. It's a book filled with sensual fallen angels, violent giants, strange cosmology, and world-changing revelations. The Book of Enoch is an apocryphal Old Testament book about events that occurred a century before the birth and ministry of Jesus. Most Christian denominations do not consider this book to be divinely inspired scripture. At the end of the fourth century, the original manuscript disappeared. It was later discovered in Abyssinia, Ethiopia in 1773. Only the Ethiopian Christian sect includes the Book of Enoch in their scriptures. Today we show the startling revelations from the Book of Enoch that have been forbidden from the Bible. Who really is Enoch? Enoch was Adam's great-great-great-great-grandson and Noah's great-grandfather, who led a holy and faithful life to the Lord. According to the Bible, he also became the father of Methuselah, the person who lived the longest. He has had several offspring during his three-plus centuries on earth. Only two people in the Bible, Enoch and Elijah, appear to be carried directly to heaven without experiencing death. God takes him away after 365 years on earth, Genesis 5.24. Take appears to indicate snatched up or carried away perhaps in the same way that God took away Elijah the prophet. He walked in faith throughout his life and that made all the difference. Whatever happened, he trusted and obeyed God. God was so fond of Enoch that he spared him the agony of death. Many Jewish and Christian traditions revolve around Enoch. He was thought to be the author of the book of Enoch and was also known as the scribe of judgment. Enoch is mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, the Epistle to the Hebrews and the Epistle of Jude the latter of which quotes from it. In the Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodoxy and Oriental Orthodoxy, he is regarded as a saint. Enoch was a well-known preacher and his sermon was one of God's judgments on humanity. His ministry was a forerunner to Noah's mission as a preacher of righteousness and builder of the ark. Given the world's level of immorality and ungodliness, it was amazing for a man to stand up and pronounce judgment on his neighbors. 
To learn much more about the mythical figure's background and the supernatural experiences he had, we must turn to the apocryphal books written by Enoch. Scrolls of the Dead Sea At the end of 1946 or the beginning of 1947, some Bedouin boys were tending their goats and sheep near the ancient settlement of Qumran, which is located on the northwest coast of the Dead Sea and what is currently known as the West Bank. One of the young shepherds threw a rock into a cliff opening and was surprised to hear a shattering sound. Later, he and his companions entered the cave where they discovered a collection of large clay jars, seven of which contained leather and papyrus scrolls. The scrolls were purchased by an antiquities merchant and eventually wound up in the hands of several scholars who assessed the texts to be over 2,000 years old. Bedouin treasure seekers and archaeologists were alerted to the discovery. Tens of thousands of other scroll fragments were discovered in 10 adjoining caverns. They add up to between 800 and 900 texts. It was the Book of Enoch which is divided into five books, the Book of Watches, the Book of Parables, the Astronomical Book, the Dream Visions and the Epistles of Enoch with a total of 100 chapters. The Book of Enoch The Book of Enoch is made up of several monumental works. They introduce Enoch to the major themes of rewards, punishment, the end of the world and the last judgment. The first book, which contains chapters 6 to 36, is mostly about angels, the tree of life, Jerusalem and the universe. The Watcher's book narrates the account of fallen angels from Genesis 6, 1-4, who seduced women, created the Nephilim, and taught sophisticated knowledge to humanity, eventually leading to the Great Flood and their annihilation. The term Nephilim refers to the fallen ones, who are characterized as huge people, similar to giants. The link between God's sons and the Nephilim is interpreted in several ways. Some believe that the sons of God are fallen angels, and that the Nephilim are the progeny they had with human women. This viewpoint was described in the first book of Enoch, a non-canonical Jewish source, and it is still widely accepted. The first book of Enoch also mentions the Nephilim as giants, which seems to fit with beings of vast size. The apparent gigantism of the Nephilim is thought to be due to their supernatural origin, while some have contended that it is theologically problematic to suggest that angels or demons could physically breed with humans. A less supernatural interpretation claims that the Nephilim were simply men who strayed from holiness. Some theologians believe that the sons of God are the descendants of Seth, Adam's righteous son, and that the Nephilim were members of his family who rejected God. So I have a few minutes to kill in the car while waiting for a store to open. And I was watching a few videos, and I saw this TikTok where the creator was saying, Oh, you know why there's this big conspiracy theory about reptilians? Hold on, time out. I think the new generation is not aware. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is not even a theory. This goes back to ancient Sumerian scriptures. It goes back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. It goes back even to um, Hindu scriptures of the origins. It predates the Bible by thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The reptilians. Okay, well, first of all, a lot of people get confused and think that the Anunnaki and the Anunnaki Chronicles are all reptilian. That is not true. The word Anunnaki means those who from the heavens came sky beings. 
Were the reptilian Anunnaki? Some of them were, but the Anunnaki is an interspecial race. There are many different species. There are people from Sirius B. There were the Nibirians, uh, people from Andromeda, the Lyra constellation, all these things like that. Reptilians, the Dracos. So that just gives it a generic term, those from the heavens came. So this is no conspiracy. It's in the ancient scriptures. It's actually said that the reptilians were on earth before the Anunnaki came down before the people from Nibiru came down. And I've had other videos full of this story, and I'm going to have to start doing them all over again since my account was banned at 150K followers. But reptilians are not a conspiracy theory. These are ancient scriptures. If you believe in the Bible and in the Nephilim, if you believe in the Hindu scriptures, whatever religion you're in, if you believe that, then you cannot not believe that the reptilians are real, that they are a real species. Actually, when the deluge came, the reptilians who saved themselves went underground. Have you heard all the talk about underground cities and stuff? Well, they're one of the populations under there. It's nothing new. Then I saw another creator that said, oh, the Simpsons wrote about it. Oh my God, you guys are going based on the Simpsons? If anything, is there, if there's a conspiracy, it's that about the Simpsons predictions. That they are Illuminati and they know things because they're telling you. Okay, so that's a conspiracy. Reptilians, it's ancient history. People can call it mythology, but it's not. It's ancient history. Let's educate ourselves because we look stupid. All right, my fellow Americans, I hope you enjoyed the show today. I don't know if you guys want to get into God versus devil, religious texts, ancient wisdom, ancient knowledge that goes back thousands and thousands of years that talked about reptilians and archon energy and devils and yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. That's up to you to decide, my fellow Americans. I'll leave the choosing for or against, yay or nay, yes or no, pro or con, for or against. I'll leave all that decision-making up to you. Like I always say, I am the bringer of information. I am the messenger. And it is your job to either accept or reject the information I am bringing to you on this show. Before I go, I want to play you an interesting clip. Kind of reminds me of the Paul Harvey, if I were the devil speech from back in the 60s. This is a clip of young school kids back in the 60s being asked about computers and what they thought the future of computers would bring to humanity and how it would have an effect on humanity and how it would change humanity for better or for worse. So here we go. Take a listen to this. People will be regarded more as statistics and as actual people. I don't think it's going to be so nice. I think sort of all machines everywhere, everyone doing everything for you. First of all, there's computers are taking over now. Computers and automation. And in the year 2000, there just won't, won't be enough jobs to go around. And the only jobs there will be will pe be for people with high IQ who can work computers and such things. And other people are just not going to have jobs. There just aren't going to be jobs for them to have. Animals as they have here, uh, sheep and cows and livestock, but they'll be kept in batteries. Uh, they won't be allowed to graze on 
pastures, they'll be kept in buildings all together, all in one big building and artificially reared so they'll be bigger and give more food. People can't live in, wouldn't be able to live in ordinary houses because that would take up too much room. They'd have to be in flats piled on top of one another and the houses would be rather small. Everything would be um, cramped up, very cramped. So let me ask you a question, my fellow Americans. Can somebody explain to me how children, elementary school children in the 60s, were more intelligent, wise, understood these concepts about the difference between too much computer and technology involvement in human life? Think about that. Think about a kid that age today. Do you think a kid, an elementary school kid today, can wrap their brains around concepts on that level, on that magnitude, on the level and magnitude of concepts and topics I talk about here on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast? You mean to tell me in the year 2023 that there hasn't been a concerted effort to dumb down the populace through indoctrination in the schools, brainwashing, mind control, mind-altering techniques enhanced by pharmacological methods, and this seems to be Huxley's final revolution. You guys should go back and listen to that episode. I think it's episode six or seven, way back when I started this podcast. Huxley's final revolution. That's what's coming, people. I hope you enjoyed the show. This might be my favorite installment of Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics that I have created thus far. And I hope you enjoyed the show. I love you guys so much. Take care of each other out there. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Buy some merch. Click on the link to my music on SoundCloud. Click to the playlist on Spotify. Check out all of the amazing punk rock artists I have curated in that playlist for your listening pleasure. If you would, leave me a review. Whatever platform you're listening to this show on, if you like what you're hearing and you think that I have something to offer to the general population of this world, leave me a a four- or a five-star review. I prefer a five-star, obviously. Um, If you don't like my show and you want to give me a lower rating, shoot me an email and let me know why so I can make this show better for you. Andrew4America1984 at gmail.com. I would love to hear your constructive feedback. Don't just email me a bitch cry fest wokeism session on why I'm wrong and why I should be shunned out of the fucking annals of society forever, okay? Save your ad homonyms and maybe give me some constructive criticism. I would appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening once again. Good night. We'll see ya next time. This has been... A bonus episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast entitled Reality, Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics Part 9 The Great Awakening We'll see ya next time